Tim Joyce. And on top of that, wow, man. Wow. I thought I dressed up. I had to look on my, you know, on our YouTube channel what I wore last week. This is when you're when you're meeting the bankers. <laughs> when you're meeting, I hear you, can, you. I hear you. It's a bit old school, but you're gonna put the you're gonna put the take the t-shirt away, you know, when you see the money men. But you don't. That's your brand, man. You, you, you never leave the T-shirt, right? I mean, I, I love my T-shirt. I'm trying to remember for my first outing with Fireside Chad with Glenn. I actually think I wore a button down, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. No, I, I don't know. But I do cover. Right. I do the jacket thing. Just no need for it here sitting on, right. on, on Zoom. Anywho, so uh, I don't even know. Like my, my, I think my brother-in-law asked, like, "Oh, have you heard about this news?" I don't even know what happened in the last forty-eight hours. It's just been like just nonstop. So I do look the, forward to this every the Wednesday. Jewish, the Jewish holiday. What's going on? Uh, yeah, that was New Year's. Um, I am horrible at this, so I actually had to be reminded <laughs> that it is. Well, not not really, but um, so it was the new holiday, uh, new New Year. Don't ask me which year. It's five thousand something. Um, yeah, horrible. yeah. I was I was seeing something on that. I was like five thousand sixty one or I don't know what, what am I gonna Yes, five thousand four hundred. <laughs> and maybe you're right. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. And then um, I've been Happy kind New of year. following along more. Thank you, thank you. Um, um, been following more along on Twitter. The what's uh, next and what's next healthcare? I think it's the conference that Matthew Holt and uh, Justin right. Massa are running now. Lots of exciting twenty panels. Yours truly was moderating one of them. Okay, uh, enjoyed it, Very but cool. I haven't had a chance. Of course, oh. yes, it's virtual. Yes, it's all virtual. Yeah. But, but they want to do something it. in person eventually. Is that the goal? Or? Yeah. I yeah. think so. I don't know. Well, I haven't actually chatted with them, but we'll find have out from your, them. Have you booked your tickets for JP Morgan? No, not yet. I, I barely even booked my tickets for the Health Excel DTX and HLTH that's coming up in ooh, a yeah. month-ish. So book right. your tickets, right. people. Um, we've had this wonderful human being waiting already in the lobby. So I'm going to move us, move us forward. Um, and as, as I'm going to start letting her in, um, I remember I reached out to a number of folks saying, Hey, who are like the top minds in behavioral health? Right. Um, and I think it was Lisa Sunan that okay. said, Hey, you need to reach out to, come on, you can do it. Have hey. you heard me? Have you heard us already talking? Just briefly. just briefly we were just kind of shooting the the the, the proverbial shh. and i was i was saying that um when i first reached out uh i'm trying to remember when you and i connected but this was a few months earlier said hey who are like the key people in like behavioral health and i think it was lisa sunan was the first and then your name came up like bang bang right after another right so first of all for our viewers and listeners, neither Jim or I want to really butcher your name. Um, <laughs> Solome Tibaboo. That's what I he was, said. I was, he said that. Yes. He said that. Yeah. Yes. I just, I, I was a little afraid to butcher it. I don't know. We kind of connected and said, hey, but. And it's a, um, it's a, it's a beautiful name. It's a beautiful name. But what it, what it. Soul. It, Thank it's you. very soulful. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and where are you calling in from? Um, Oakland, California. Not oh, at the moment, cool. but typically. Oh, typically. Okay. Okay. Very good. Well, nice to meet you. I'm Jim. <laughs> so nice to meet you. <laughs> so you were, are you ready for this craziness? The next, you know, whatever, 40 minutes. So um, we'll, we'll take you maybe 
all the way back, what actually triggered you coming into behavioral health as a field? Um, and then again, like my comment, I'm sure you were doing this before, maybe just my own sort of dig in and interest in the space was like, all of a sudden, here's Salome, I just, and you're amazingly doing all these things, which we'll get to, but tell us a little background of what triggered you. Mm-hmm. Totally. Thanks so much. And I'm really excited to be here as well. So, um, yeah, it all began with uh, a lot of anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder symptoms as a preteen and teenager um, was really challenging. My parents had no idea what was going on with me. I had no idea. Uh, panic attacks, intrusive thoughts, missing school, and there just wasn't really anything online to help me cope or connect with other teens to know that I wasn't alone. And so um, in addition to actually seeking out professional help, um, I was missing that that aspect. So when I was 16 in 2006, I started a blog called anxietyinteens.com for 14 by teen online resource. And I continued that nonprofit for 10 years and we did virtual peer support um, events. And that's really what got me interested in mental health, entrepreneurship, the internet, and that was kind of the beginning. <clears throat> Amazing. And I and I actually just remember the second name that brought, uh, was Dale, um, brought up your name as well. I think he was a guest last, last week, I think. All these weeks are coming together. But uh, what, I mean, um, you know, going through this as a 16-year-old and actually taking... Uh, I'll say the positive approach of helping others and and creating what you created. Um, that's first of all just kudos, right? Because there are uh, I don't know the percentage you probably know, but I think m- many kind of crawl back in and don't do anything about it at a personal level, unfortunately, but also at a grand scheme of helping others. So just again, kudos. Thanks so much. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I can take that much credit. I, um, you know, part of it was just starting it as a resource for myself. And um, yep. the other thing is not only with that, but kind of with any new endeavor that I start, I don't really know what I'm getting into. So maybe right. that's off of why I even bother starting. Hey, you're with two entrepreneurs here. So we, <laughs> I, <laughs> we just figure it out, right? Right. So, so you started, so you kind of recognize this in yourself. You started a blog and then you uh, started running events. Is that what you said? You started running events. And then where'd you go from there? Where, like, what's that, what's happened that since then? Yeah. So um, uh, 5k races, that kind of stuff. So I knew I was interested in mental health and technology, and I decided to be an entrepreneurship major in college to which my parents said, excuse me, a what? <laughs> but I knew I I was really excited about startups already at that time, and it was junior year of college where I started a a mental health tech startup that was essentially um, online CBT in an app, different exercises, Um, again, out of a personal experience. At this point, I saw several different therapists for my anxiety and OCD, and for anyone who's listening, who might be experiencing some of these things just as an aside, it really took until the fourth therapist and fourth medication for that matter to find the combination that really worked for me. And I really uh, would love people to know that, you know, if I stopped at one, two or three thinking that's as good as it gets, 
and right. it's been a totally different outcome. So it takes some time, but these conditions definitely are manageable. So I just want to get that out there. Yeah. Yep. But um, yeah, I, you know, I saw a different therapist. They gave me my mental health homework for the week on a little post-it note. I said, oh, this should be an app. So in college, I started this startup okay. um, and partnered with some local clinics to pilot it, like built the technology and everything. And But long story short, 20-year-old me really underestimated launching an enterprise healthcare startup. So it didn't pan out. Moved <laughs> <laughs> on from that. What was the name? What was the name? Um, Cognific, in fact. Ooh, love it. And, yeah. and, and what, what do you, what do you, what do you feel like when you think when you built that technology, like either what was it going to do in the vision that's not out there today? Or do you think all these mental health apps have kind of grabbed a lot of your idea, you know, your, you know, had similar ideas? Well, yeah, you know, 10 years later now, it's just it's a whole it's, world and which is a whole other discussion <laughs> that I want to bring up on the kind of the supply side, but yeah. let's park that. Right. I mean, it was basically, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great if there was um, video games for mental health? And But right. as I was developing a product for the first time, I was learning quickly that you tell teenagers, mental health video games, they were expecting World of Warcraft, and mine was barely looking like Minesweeper. So it just, it wasn't going to work. Hey, Minesweeper popular yeah. game so just some, sometimes it's also timing right um but did you like i mean it get the guts of i had i didn't have near your courage like i at age 20 like um i mean that's a young time like maybe you ask me like you know i didn't become an entrepreneur until i was 36 and um and i and people ask me oh did you think you waited too long i'm like i maybe went out a little too early <laughs> i needed to i needed to grow <laughs> I definitely did. <laughs> but so, I mean, yeah. so my, my con okay. sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And I was going to make a joke. Say, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, it, who would have thought that that early experience, whether it panned out or not, would have led to, you know, a whole career in it. So, you know. Yeah. Okay. Fun. So then, okay. So you had to start up and then, and then what happened next? Yeah, then I moved on and joined the sales team of the largest behavioral health EHR software company, got a real job and was selling all sorts of ancillary products, RCM consulting to all sorts of behavioral health stakeholders from IDD to substance use to psychiatric units of hospitals and learned a ton. Right. Uh, that was out in the East Coast. Did that for a few years but I wanted to go back to startup life. So that's when I moved to San Francisco, um, helped a couple startups and worked for a couple different early stage digital health venture funds. And still at that time, even though I was involved with broadly digital health startups, um, my passion was specifically behavioral health technology. And okay. that's when I started this little newsletter on the side with Steve, Steve Ramsland, and, um, which eventually led to going out on my own. Okay, fantastic. And when you when, like when because you said in our we were a little exchanging. I know we're, we're we we call our podcast meticulous, meticulously unproduced, so no anxiety here, <laughs> no anxiety here. But is um, is it, it, do, what were you saying? You're saying like so behavioral health. Like, give me the definitions that we were tic tacking with a little bit. Like, you know, yeah. behavioral health. I mean, for me, I describe that as mental health and substance use services under okay. one roof. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what was the other yep. term that you were using, Eugene? 
Did I get this? Uh, right behavioral right? science, right? Um, and that's yeah. you know, um, it, it's but but it's interesting. And I, again, to to your point, um, I, I don't want to dwell, but I think um, a lot of people do sort of ch ch use it kind of well, the word behavioral interchangeably thank you i I'm, I'm, i was blanking out you got also, me we've been doing also. this for like 75 oh. episodes now or something <laughs> <laughs> but i i so i think that's the premise of it right that just that people use it interchangeably and uh but it's, it's very different things um yeah. that's it and and I, that's a good segue but when i think about it, you know so so like i think everyone like in some ways you know or lots of people, like you said before, there's a lot of people that suffer from, you know, anxiety and, you know, a lot of people suffer from compulsive disorder. So it's a huge, I mean, it's a, like, and it's, it has to be so undiagnosed. It's almost like, you know, the fact that you came into a world where it was diagnosed is kind of even impressive because it wouldn't have been like in my generation. But when you went into the sales field, that seems like that kind of be quite in, in anxiety inducing <laughs> going into a hospital and trying to talk to people. Did you- yeah, yeah, quotas. I mean, like, did you? You were just completely coping with it. Did you love that? Did you thrive in that environment? What was your take? Yeah, another one of those. Didn't know what I was getting into. Kind of situation. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it was it was hard, especially post meaningful use. I mean, it's just a different environment. And um, no, I, I had a lot of anxiety, in fact. And um, one thing that I learned later was after managing my anxiety as a teenager and then um, really getting a grip on it to the extent that I didn't have a lot of symptoms at all um, later in college. And then I started writing about it, you know, giving a TED talk and you know, I overcame anxiety and OCD. And, and right. then the symptoms came back full force years later uh, as a professional in New York City. And, and that's when it dawned on me. And it's like, oh, wow, this is, I didn't conquer this right. this is something right. I'm going to be managing for a long time and I think right. I had some that was definitely a, a um, awakening rude awakening for me but so, so it was this conquer to manage was this like aha moment that it'll mm -hmm. be there but it's okay because you're learning how to manage it well that and that's so important too it's it's different I am I was different I am different now than I was as a teenager, not having any tools or any skill. Yep. And, and that makes the world of difference, really. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned writing. Um, and I know uh, on your uh, Rethink is a book that you co-wrote. So maybe talk a little bit of how that was even born. And uh, I'll be frank, I did not get a chance to even look at the content <laughs> of it. I can assume what it's about, but I would love to hear your words. Mm -hmm. Oh, this would be a great opportunity opportunity for me to keep running with that and talking about the book. But unfortunately, it's not a book. Uh, okay. That's generous. It's a, a newsletter. So okay. um, I've, the Rethink Behavioral Health Innovation Newsletter is something that a colleague of mine, Steve Ramsland, who's been in managed care for a long time, uh, we started this monthly newsletter covering all things behavioral health startups, funding, partnerships, and um, still to this day, continue to do so. <clears throat> and it's um, but pretty comprehensive, all the things going on, not super fancy in appearance, but um, we'll make up for it in content. The, the beautiful part about newsletters, you can always turn them back into a book. 
that, that was at least the approach that I was trying to take with the hard pill to swallow, which I paused right now. Just uh, it takes too too, we're trying to get, too much like, time. We're trying to we're, we were trying to get a book out of Eugene during the pandemic. So like he's on a, he's at two ideas floating. We got to get it there. You know, too much. Time. We, we were also thinking about doing uh, a book for the shot and rewinding the episode. But again, everything is just you know we do this for fun. Like, when it, when this becomes work, um, yeah, we, then then you know. Right. But you know, it's so fascinating. I, I I was thinking when you think when you were talking about you didn't know what you're getting into and going into a sales role. We had the um, the fellow Dale Berman, Beerman, sorry Beerman on okay. last week, mm-hmm. you know, and and he was oh. talking about how his co-founder, you know, at first he was talking about how he was. I think he had dealt with anxiety or was socially, you know, I'm not sure what the issue was. He, he dealt with a number of challenges, which he was very open about. Yeah, yeah, very open about alcohol. Well, was, yeah, but they, when they were, but it, no, but it was Dale, uh, Dale's co-founder who's talking about, oh, Chris. You know, yeah, Chris had, um, you know, social anxiety issues, and then, and then he, but then later on in the podcast, he says what he did was he walked into coffee shops to get our first like thousand customers or something, and I'm going like, like this kind of wait, hang on a second, the guy with social anxiety issues. And he's like, that was his exposure therapy. You know, would you recommend that? <laughs> That's pretty bold. I don't know if I've, um, I don't know if I can comment on, you know, any kind of clinical intervention like that. But um, yeah, I, I, I've known Dale for a long time when they were just starting Pacifica. And it's just impressive what that team has done. Yeah, no, yeah. no absolutely. Um, and talk to us a little bit. So is it that the Rethink newsletter then turned into the behavioral health tech? And I think there's everybody, the who's who of all, I, I literally, I think all the logos um, and, and the people behind it that were driving these grandiose visions, right? Um, so talk to us a little bit about it. I did try to tune in the last one, but we talked about it. Anyway, separate discussion. <laughs> yes. How was this born? Yeah. yeah. So, um, no, it's a, a different thing. So going digital behavioral health tech that came about at the beginning of the pandemic. I was just on a walk thinking to myself, oh, wow, all of the conferences are getting canceled. And selfishly, I'm losing my opportunity to network with mm-hmm. um, industry folks. And wouldn't it be nice if there was a virtual conference around this topic? I'm not really sure how I made the leap to I should be the one to organize it. But you know, that seems to be your that. story. Continue it. <laughs> I've never learned about <laughs> it. My- apparently um <clears throat> but it's it is funny because I remember asking a few friends and mentors about should I try this thing and some of the questions that I was asking was are healthcare people ready for a virtual event it's so funny now because that's just yeah. the world. that's all we do that's all we do <laughs> yeah, and now already planning the third annual coming up next year so it's crazy. wow mm-hmm. but uh yeah so going digital is um a uh, a conference that's bringing together all sorts of stakeholders, payers, employers, consultants, providers, startups, investors, policymakers, to talk about how to advance access to mental health and substance use services through innovation and technology. You know, for me, um, I'm not a clinician, I'm not a technologist. It, the technology itself is not what matters to me. It's really, is it expanding mm-hmm. access to, to more care? And so okay. me, for anyone to attend, and um, proceeds go to a charity that we select. Um, so stay tuned for that for the third year coming up. 
Excellent. And when you think, like, help us like parse, and I know Eugene, you're familiar with this space as well, but help us parse everything that's going on in mental health right now. You know, like, I, like we have our, one of our friends, uh, Silver Cloud, you know, mm -hmm. is joining up. Uh, well. They're, they're, I'm well. Yeah, with right? I'm well and mm -hmm. I guess Ginger and Headspace and, you know, and, and you know. Lyra kind of, and... Uh, calm i think but partnership right so how do you how do you think about all the technology that's coming out there and all the apps and what's happening and what's your take on the landscape yeah i think this is you know the headspace i think it's just the beginning of what's going to be a lot more consolidation um it's exciting to see uh emerging technologies that are focusing on specific conditions that aren't you know we're we're beyond just general online CBT. There's got to mm -hmm. be more solutions that are tailored to a broader, more diverse population. So now there are startups just for eating disorders or just for obsessive compulsive disorder and um, right. just cultural sensitive focused mental health startups. But that also means potentially a plethora of point solutions. And yeah. I think employers and payers are getting a little overwhelmed uh, I really think that in terms of what's next in behavioral health is more partnerships, more consolidation to have a more integrated experience for the end patient, member, employee. Do you think those work? I mean, like, I, like, like Eugene was just at a conference or was just interviewing Glenn Tolman, you know, with the transparent interview and, uh, and you were talking and he was very uh, clear that, you know, he wanted to own the experience. I didn't think about his Livongo experience and there, you know, so meaning like partnerships are great, but they also gonna be fraught with disjointed experiences. Like what's, do you think these- Where, Where's the window and where's the front door, right? So right. A, a lot of this back. <laughs> right, yeah, execution is such a huge part of it, totally. No, I, I can't disagree with that. But you know, at the same time, a lot of these specialized things like, like equip eating disorder, for example, it's not super easy for someone who doesn't have that background or network to just stand up and candidly, perhaps a partnership makes more sense. Just depends on the situation. And I think this is the interesting part. I mean, going back in your own history and sort of facing things as a 16 year old, um, you know, eating disorders take the same 16 year old that might be having one and where do you turn to, right? You're afraid to talk to your parents, you know, you're afraid to. And so I actually think that the fact that Equip is here well-funded, executing well, and understands that subset of the population, which is huge. This is a great thing for those individuals, but I think it just, the, the question for me always is, you know, at what point in time some of these integrations and mergers start happening? Because, you know, is it enough time to get the right scale, to get the word out, to get the masses, um, you know, even knowledgeable about somebody like Equip before, and again, I'm, I'm, you know, we're not predicting here, but let's a, a telemedicine platform buys them anyway to verticalize this, right? And then some of that goes away to a certain extent. To me, is the timing issue and challenge? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see perhaps more larger players are just looking for their dance partners earlier on, just because it's such a crowded and competitive space. No. No. Or but it also takes time to develop outcomes and um you know in our space if if any so yeah um, yeah 
talk to us a little bit about because I think there's also a spectrum, right? I mean, some people believe, well, technology, and to your point earlier, like CBT will solve it all and self-paced. And I think there's a spectrum of individuals always that are let's call it motivated enough intrinsically to do something self-paced and kind of acknowledge certain things, but others need a gentle push and others need some critical interventions, right? And I think there's a spectrum. Can you talk to us a little bit of like back to this Headspace and Ginger, like to me, the beautiful part is Headspace opened up kind of, I'll call it the the masses. Um, mm-hmm. Ginger focused on the clinical aspects and not to say that Megan and team there didn't, but just from a, focus perspective. So talk to us about the spectrum and how you see that playing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, motivation, you know, I struggle. I don't know if that's, I think. I don't know if it's the right term. I don't know if it's the right term. Yeah, exactly. But I see, I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a little a bit jaded on just pure tech having a huge impact, um, especially, of course, especially if you're struggling with something uh beyond just mild anxiety. Um, I'm I'm an advocate of some kind of humor, human intervention involved with the tech. And I I think that's why everyone is coming out with their coaching programs. And, but having that ability, like even the headspace example, having that ability to engage people upfront with something known and trusted like headspace is uh, an important step especially when we're talking about something like mental health, which is still stigmatized, um, uh, you know, especially if an employer is offering something, it might be easier if it's something like a headspace just to get in the door, but as they build relationships and get more comfortable, uh, an opportunity to step up into more significant care seems like it would be easier. Investments. So I know, I think you also have a part of Talk to us a little bit about the fund uh, that you're doing, because obviously, especially in, in behavioral health and you know slash mental health, there's been tremendous amount of deals, both early stage scaling. Where 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 are you with the fund and your focus for the entrepreneurs that are watching? Yeah, totally. So a fund for the entrepreneurs and a fund for the nonprofits. Okay. <laughs> um, I've been for a few years. I've been an advisor of a few funds. Um, the Telocity Fund is a venture fund exclusively dedicated to youth mental health and digital well-being, and as well as an advisor of Hope Lab, which also just launched Hope Lab Ventures and invested in some of the companies we were just talking about. But I also run the Upswing Fund for Adolescent Mental Health, which is a philanthropic fund, not a venture capital fund that's focused exclusively on adolescent mental health for LGBTQ teens and adolescents of color. And it really came about through the pandemic. Um, our, uh, our inaugural funder is Pivotal Ventures, which is Olinda Frenchgate's personal investment and incubation company. We saw an opportunity. There was just as if there wasn't enough need for mental health support for this population before the pandemic. You know, we're talking about schools shutting down and providers facing um, financial strain. That's where uh, it came to be. And we announced our initial portfolio a few months ago. And and who is that portfolio? Do you mind? Yeah, we funded 88 organizations. Wow. So predominantly community-based organizations that have 
especially cultural sensitivity around serving LGBTQ teens and adolescents of color throughout the country, uh, as well as some larger system enabling nonprofits who are really just transforming the entire adolescent mental health ecosystem through policy or digital technology, access to, to tech, um, school-based mental health, that sort of thing. And when you think about like, like, you know, a lot of the statement, like the, the first treatments that felt like in my lifetime that came out for, uh, you know, uh, attention deficit disorder, you know, we had all the, the medications, you know, the, the Ritalins and the, you know, the serotonin, you know, that whole class of medication. So it was always this concern about over-diagnosis of a, of a condition. Um, well, that was the kind of the quit. It was like, at once people said there's under-diagnosis and then another group say, are we correctly diagnosing people? We're, yep. and, and then we think right now, you know, with all the world's, you know, information at our fingertips uh, through Google, where are we at in kind of correct diagnosis and the right diagnosis? Mm -hmm. I, I still think totally underdiagnosed, like for all of the barriers for especially adolescents and families getting access to care in the first place. And um, I'm sure there are a lot and less so, you know, I think stigma is reducing a bit more so for just mild anxiety and depression, not so for much else. But even something like stigma alone is prohibiting families from seeking out professional mental health that they may not even get that diagnosis. So I still think actually it's quite a bit. And I think that goes back to a little bit of, yes, there's the stigma still exists, especially you know, kind of within the family and, and in all the circles. But I also think um, it's difficult for people to still, with all of those apps and all of those virtual services, it's still difficult to find, um, you know, the the right therapist for yourself, right? And sure, there's matchings and this and that, but it's like to your point earlier, if you didn't persist finding that fourth one that really helped you through this, many people just quit, and I just I don't know what that answer is going mm -hmm. forward. Right. In addition to just the massive shortage of providers. Thank you. You bring that up now. I was gonna. That was. I was gonna go next, like on, kind of the supply of talented providers, right? That actually can can help people through this. I just. I. I don't understand with all of the funding rounds and the scaling. Mm -hmm. This is where I think the technology comes in. But back to your point, and again, whatever the right term to use, but you need a human being to help you through this process. Management process. I loved your comment earlier on conquering versus messaging, managing. Yeah, I think um, you know what's the solution to those things. Um, I think some companies are getting more sophisticated around how they're triaging um, patients or members or employees to ensure at least that the right level of care is being provided um, <clears throat> to one member versus the other. So the specialists really are just serving the severe folks versus maybe more self-guided for mild. But yeah, I think um, some more startups are getting creative with where can they use unlicensed folks, coaches, and not um, where they need yep. to. But yeah, can't make more mental health professionals fast enough. We can't exactly. We could produce them through some kind of augmented reality robot. That would be 
yeah, that would be something. I, I was just hearing about that actually. You know, talking about that your therapist, you know, could be a could be a robot, right? In the future, <laughs> there's the chatbots. There's the you know, like robot raised ninety million. And, um, I think had some study come out about um, data around actual therapeutic alliance from the interactions. So things are advancing but nothing they're quite. definitely advancing and i'm going to rewind back to my when i was addicted to clubhouse for about a week um <laughs> and um i jumped into some like ai bot room and I, I honestly don't remember the startup but um the founder was saying that they're literally that 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 founder uh, as they changed the persona of the ai chatbot uh and it was a female persona there were just a bunch of angry a male that would be attacking the entrepreneur saying, how could you change that persona? Like, please don't revert about people got addicted to that, those discussions and really believe that that's a, you know, a real person on the other side. It's, yeah. it's fascinating. Like with um, like my wife just got with her Siri, like my, my son, ha my son Siri has an, is an Indian accent, you know, has an Indian accent. And then, my wife got one with an Australian, like an Australian accent, like gives her shit, you know, like, like kind of makes fun of her, something like that. Like on the Siri, and you know, <laughs> and then you know, I was, you know, I was driving in a Tesla, and all the Teslas are personalized to the, to the user. So when you go into the Tesla, it's going to be like, you know, you're calling your Tesla something, you know, a certain name, you know, versus the other person's Tesla, you're talking to it. Like people get very attached to these things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That level of personalization. And I think that's where, you know, <clears throat> we were talking earlier, right? Like, how do you bring, because every individual's challenge is truly unique at the end of the day. And so how do you are able to personalize the combination of technology and, you know, the, the human aspect of it. And I think that's um, for the overall health and care ecosystem to solve this all together. Um, we on that thing. note, I'm... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, we I'm, not, thing I'm not in a rush. With our, with my device, my company's uh, it tracks uh, people that take uh, injectable medications in the home. But right after they take their medications, we smile at them, so they'll smile. And um, and that was initially the smile. The idea, of the smile was we couldn't get the tech to work on early, early prototypes. So we're like, well, what do we do instead of having a YouTube, you know, you know spiral i'm like spiral. well just smile I just smile at them that's what i do in life anyway you know and yeah. um, <laughs> just smile at them and so as we smiled at them and but then we launched the product you know country to country and the way the different cultures reacted to the smile was fascinating so like the like the irish like the irish people that went into it were incredibly they didn't want to disappoint they were worried about disappointing the the smile like they didn't take the medication and the and then the Belgians thought it was condescending. <laughs> that was condescending. It's interesting, right? Interpretations. Yeah. Right. Like culturally, yeah. just Cultural. a smile, nothing else. It's just little eyes and a little smile. And they were all reacting to it and very emotionally, very differently. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Back, I, it, no, I mean, it's a good point. Back to this personalization, right? Like the cultural aspects of this are super important, both technologically and at a, at a human level, right? I mean, obviously. So picture um, yourself. We go in there. I was going to say, Jim Joyce, with your final uh, famous yeah. question. So, so picture yourself, um, a very talented, bright uh, teenager, or you know, teenager that had learned how to tackle um, her mental health issues by writing and hosting events, and eventually went on to 
uh, to do a startup and, and they want to do a startup in the mental health area, developing a, um, a robotic uh, therapist. Um, what advice would you give to that young uh, entrepreneur right now? <laughs> robotic. Um, yeah, I guess I would say um, reach out to as many people as possible who um, in, in every facet of taking that next step business, clinical, whatnot, um, that, uh, that did end up working pretty well for me <laughs> out of all the things that I didn't get quite right. I, I do think that early on, I got off campus. I talked to business leaders. Um, I think I got a lot of goodwill as a student and you just never know where things will lead and what you'll learn. And people really do want to help others, especially when it's something as um, impactful and prevalent as mental health. So um, that would be my advice ongoing. Excellent. Amazing. Excellent. Well, listen, thank you for making the time. Um, and I am sure this is not the last time we're speaking here. So we'll be in touch. And for um, all of those wonderful millions of listeners and viewers that we have, just subscribe, you know, share the message. Amazing. Thanks. Thank you both so much. Thanks. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you.